right, guys, we're here with Tech Beats and Bites. Uh, first time, first event for our mini Mondays to come with House of Mac and Digital Grass. We wanted to put together an environment where some of the tastemakers of our community and technology, innovation, the music industry, the food industry could just come together and chill out. Uh, kind of like our own industry night. So we didn't think it would be best to start it off with one of the hottest producers in the game right now, Rico Love. So we want to bring him out, just talk a little bit and have a couple of questions, a little bit of conversation. If you have a question for Rico Love, I'm not looking at my phone, so you cannot text it to me and say why you didn't ask him this. If you have a question for Rico Love, do not call me later tonight or tomorrow and be like, yo, can I link up with Rico? If you have a question, get your lazy ass up, come closer to the front, and let's have this conversation. If not, y'all just gonna listen to us talk for about 10 minutes. It's not long, we just wanna share some information, let people know what Rico doing in the community. But first of all, I want everybody to put your hands together and give a round of applause for House of Mac, Chef Teach, for putting this all together. Without him, it wouldn't be possible. And we would also like to thank Winwood Garden for opening up their doors on a closed night for us people to come and celebrate. So, uh, Rico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all know I've been waiting to say this Turn the Lights song. Nah, but Rico, so tell us what's really going on. What made you decide that Miami was going to be your base? What made you decide this was going to be the next spot for you to just take it to the next level? Um, honestly, it's because I'm really not, I'm really not mixy like that as far as the industry is concerned. I like to be where, uh, where I'm comfortable. And I never was a person who felt like I had to go somewhere to get exposure. I always felt like when you have the gift, you know, um, my mother told me when I was a young, very young that the gift will make room for you. So what it means is that it puts you, your gift will put you in the presence of the kings and the queens and it'll put you where you need to be. So I never had to chase it. I felt like I was comfortable here. I thought it was a great hub and I didn't feel like it was an industry place. I just felt like it was a place that a lot of people visited, but I liked the fact that I could come here and get away, and when people came, they visited, and then they left. I didn't want to live somewhere where people were living. I, I didn't want to be amongst industry people in that sense. I just felt like it was a good vibe, and it was a good energy, and, and I created a lot of a lot of hit records here, and you, it kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and, and I just felt like maybe I should live here, and I, I love it. I've been here since 2007, 2007, 2008, and this is home for me. I'm a Floridian. All right. That's what's up. Well, since some of you may know Rico, just give us some of them top tens. Just tell them what you produce, because some people at home right now, they like, ah, you know, I might go next week. Ah, you know, it might be cool. Damn that. Tell them what they missed today. Give us them top ten. Let's go. Man, I wrote a lot of songs, man. I don't really like doing that. I know you don't. <laughs> You're doing it for me and Teach. Just tell them. Uh, give us three. Three. All right. Well, I did... Um. You know, what, what I never share with people, a lot of people don't know. I wrote the theme song for the Sex in the City movie. A lot of people don't know that. I did that. So whenever, it was on today, so we got to, so we going, so lunch is on me tomorrow. <laughs> Royalty checks <laughs> continues. So, so no, but um, that was very important to me. A lot of people may not know that I wrote a promise for Romeo Santos from Aventura. I also wrote Odios for Romeo Santos from Aventura featuring Drake, which was number one for 29 weeks. And, 19 million single souls. So that was a big one for me. You know, Sweet Dreams, Beyonce, uh, There Goes My Baby, Usher, Daddy's Home Usher, Hello, Good Morning, Diddy. Um, you know, 
I'm proud of like the work that people didn't believe in and the artists that people didn't believe in. Like I believed in Kelly Rowland when nobody was checking for her and we did Motivation, which was number one, you know, and sold four million singles. I remember when nobody believed in Nelly and they thought he was over and I did Just a Dream and we sold 11 million singles, you know. I remember nobody believed the last train of Paris was gonna come out and we did that project. So, you know, those are the things I'm most proud of. The records go on and on and on, but I just, some things I'm just more proud of because, like I say, I was never the guy who jumped on the bandwagon. Now, all of the Beyonce stuff that I did, it was great, but I just feel like Beyonce's Beyonce. Right. I'm more proud of the artists that people didn't really have that type of faith and belief in. So you have a ever-changing industry. The evolution of the industry is changing. Technology is becoming a key component of it. What are some of the more surprising things that you're seeing right now when it comes to technology in the music industry? Um, what What's very interesting to know is that streaming has made it so that physical album sales are doing better than actual digital sales. A lot of people don't know that. So physical copies are selling more than digital copies are nowadays because of streaming. The thing that's that's perplexing, the things that's it's almost vexing to me is trying to figure out how do artists, producers, writers get paid for songs now because of streaming. The breakdown is kind of weird because we aren't privy to the deals that record companies are making with the streaming services. So they're really able to tell us anything. They're really able to tell us that they're making whatever. Now, an article just came out in Billboard that exposed that the record, record industry is doing better than it's done in the past 20 years right now because of streaming. So now I'm interested to see how does this work out for artists, producers, writers in the terms of publishing, royalties, and sales? So this is something I'm investing a lot of time into and investigating heavily because I feel like um, it's, I'm not comfortable with not knowing. Right. And I think this is a great area for a lot of producers, especially people getting in the record industry, because publishers are even telling people they can't do the same type of publishing deals. They can't re-up the deals because they're trying to make us believe they're crying broke. I don't believe that, for one instance, because I know, you know the powers that be wouldn't be going as hard as they are for a lot of these different records um, if, it was for, if it wasn't for the fact that they were making a, an incredible amount of money. Now, another thing I'm noticing that you guys notice, social media is playing a huge part in exposing a lot of the artists that they would never, people would never know on a large scale on the mainstream. For instance, a record like uh, Black Beatles, which was struggling at first at radio, Ray and Sherman. then selling, uh, what, nine million singles because of the Mannequin Challenge, or, or Bad and Bougie being number one in America, doing 65, 165 million streams in one night after... Childish Gambino shot at them out at the Golden Globes, or was it the Oscars? The Oscars, I believe. One yeah. of those award shows. Golden Globes, right? So I just they think that love it's results. showing that you don't have to... Pop has no sound. Used to be you had to have a four to the floor. Or at one point, um, you know, remember when, when Rock was controlling it, when Nickelback and Stain and all those guys and Limp Bizkit was controlling it. Then it went into the Teeny Bop phase. and went into the NSYNCs and the Britney Spears. Then it went to the EDM. Whereas in the, well, hip-hop had it for a while after that, when Puff was taking over and Jay and everybody was number one in America and in the world. Destiny Shout, R&B was number one. Then it went into the EDM phase. Right. Now... Believe it or not, trap music is becoming a new pop music. When you got guys like Post Malone, when you, even when you got guys like uh, um, 
g Easy. You know, so many different artists are being able to take the helms and being able to dominate. And I think we can thank social media for that because it's given an opportunity for a lot of kids in middle America who had never heard a lot of these records and never been exposed to a lot of these records on a mainstream level. They get an opportunity to learn about these acts. So I embrace it for that reason because I think it's incredible to get that type of light. So now guys don't have to alter their sound. And, and anybody who records or is in the music business understands that. Like before you had to say, well, I need a pop sound and record. But now you can't say that anymore because trap is the new pop. Um, urban is the new pop. It's always been that way. We've all been always been able to manifest ourselves inside of whatever genre. I just don't want them to take from it too much to where it destroys itself. You know what I mean? I told you, man, you're going to be the prophet at R&B. You're going to have to bring it back. We already had that conversation. Um, you are a creator in multiple fields, and I wanted everybody here to know that you're actually creating your own technology. Won't you tell them real briefly about the technology you're coming out with? Basically, um, I have a conference called the We Love Music Conference, which is going on July 14th and 15th. Last year was incredible. It was It's in Indianapolis inside of Indiana Black Expo. And what we did last year, first year we had 575 people. Um, we don't knock people's head off with the price. It's not about um, the money for us. It's about getting people there and getting the knowledge and getting the information. So inside of this, my main goal is to create a network for producers, writers, artists, managers to interact with each other. Right. So I don't want to get too deep into the details of it because, you know, you need we, to come. We want to make sure we want to make sure that people are, are, are there. But more than anything, it's just about creating a network where people can exchange ideas, build ideas on a social media platform. And you can see a timeline where a record starts, finishes the same way you look on a timeline on Instagram, a timeline on Twitter. It's going to be that same type of interaction when it comes to creating a record and, and developing and, and forming an artist, placing the record, selling the record all on one particular platform. So y'all heard it here first. So all those developers out there trying to figure it out, you need to get at Rico because he about to go. Rico, you, you get a call from Teach. And he's like, man, I need you to come out for this event. And you're now part of this community and you're a Floridian, as you say. What was the first thing that ran through your mind when you was like, this is the impact I want to make in this community. This is why I'm showing up at this event. Because you could be working right now. I know you left the studio to come here with us. Yeah. What made you come out tonight? You know what? Um, first of all, Teach came. I did the um, Films, Music, Arts, Cultural Conference last week. And Teach came out at the drop of a hat to come support me. So I'm always going to support him, regardless. But with that being said, it's good to have friends who are forward thinking and are about the culture so that when you're supporting them, you're not doing it because of it. it's it's just a return. You're doing it because it makes sense and it's like, why would not? So that's good too because a lot of times we get in situations with people and we're like, well, I owe you this favor so I'm going to do it. I don't want that to be the case and, and things I do. It's a blessing to always have somebody say, well, I want you to do this event and it's an incredible event or a genius idea. So to be involved with, with teaching, whatever he's done. By the way, Teach always was showed me love, you know, anyway, you know, giving me opportunity to work on ASAP Rocky records and you know, all the Pitbull stuff Pit was allowed me to be involved with you know all that stuff over the years has always been a blessing but I think it's incredible to see professionals be able to interact communicate and exchange in, in ideas that's the most incredible thing I went to a thing called Tiger 21 that Usher invited me to and it was billionaires in a room just talking 
you know, Bloomberg spoke. I was, be, I was able to be um, around some very powerful movers and shakers. And what I found was they had more questions for me than I had for them. And it's not because they could benefit financially from the information I could give them. It was more so that they were not comfortable with not knowing. And we have to be uncomfortable with not knowing. One thing that's not allowed to say in my home is I don't know. Those are three words you cannot use in my house. I don't know. You can say, I'm not sure, let me find out. But nobody is allowed in my home to say, I don't know. Because there's always an answer to something. And I always challenge people to answer these, to challenge these people with three things. What don't I know? Why don't I know it? And what can I do to apply it now that I know it? What's the most important question out of those three? Most people would say, how can I apply it? That's the most important question, right? No, the most important question is why didn't I know it? Because when you figure out why you don't know something, it's difficult for you to not know something else. You start figuring out the things in you and the things in the way you study, the things in the way you see things that keep you from knowing something. When you figure that out and you start getting in the habit of knowing and pointing out the things that would make you not know, right. I'm telling you, you'll be able to take over the world. You know what I mean? You know, the Bible says that um, my people die for lack of not knowing, for lack of knowledge. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. If we give our people knowledge, we empower them. And what can they do? They can live. You know what I mean? And not just live that, that more abundantly, which means that we can control and we walk the earth like kings and queens that we are because of the information, not because we're entitled to it. Because I want to give you guys a, a, a tell you guys a secret you're not entitled to shit nobody you can say what you want to say Facts. you're not entitled to anything you only entitled you only deserve what you willing to work hard for and what you're willing to study for you know what i mean and i and i'm a i'm a product of that and i'm still a product of that so much i don't know i always tell new artists and new writers and new producers i know this much i'm 34 years old i've been in the music business since i was 17 and i know this much if the whole world is just this yard i know this much right so what makes you think you know all of these things when I can admit to you after being in the game, being successful, seeing things, seeing the world, being able to develop artists, bring back artists, write records, develop records, learn the business in and out, I still only know this much. That means that every day I want to make this small hole bigger, 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 bigger. Pause. Look. Look. Y'all can clap. I mean, the man gave y'all knowledge. He, he took you through tech to music to church to wisdom to to Greek knowledge, to the guys. He took you everywhere. Um, so it's not, a, I've had this conversation. The man is mesmerizing. Uh, two techies is a conversation we had. So it's going to come out. Do you guys, this is for you. This is the opportunity for you to see someone like Rico and be able to just walk up to him and have a conversation. So before we let him get off the stage and go get some of that great food from House and Mac, do you have any questions that you would like to ask? Go ahead. So his question was, I'm just repeating it for audio. How important is the DJ to the music industry? See, before the DJ was extremely important in the sense that uh, they broke records. Now DJs don't break records anymore, and it's a sad fact. The internet breaks records. I, I was having a conversation with Kay Fox, and she was like, yeah, we we on this uh, new record right now. We support it. I said, yeah, you support it after it already hit in the streets and already did its thing. So a lot of times, back in the day, the DJs was the guy, the only way I could hear a record was from the DJ. Now the internet is so many different ways that kids can hear records that it's, it's a certain demographic of kid who don't even know the point of a DJ because most of these kids don't go to clubs. 
They go to their little social gathering. They're not out like us because that's not how they consume music. So how important the DJ is is how important he decides or she decides to make themselves. It's not the thing anymore where you're just like, oh, you're a DJ? We need you. No, bro, we don't need you. You got to make yourself relevant and you got to make yourself important in the new climate. The same way I got to adjust myself as a writer, as a producer, as an artist to the new sounds and the new and the ways things are going, you got to adjust your game and adjust who you are as a DJ to say, I'm going to matter. If you look at DJ Cal, anybody who got a problem with DJ Khaled is a fucking hater. This man is this man is incredible. Like, look what he's been able to do. Look at what he's been able to do with the, a level of humility and hunger to be able to work his ass off and figure out a way into the game, not only to get in the game, but to solidify and put a stamp on it. The man is shooting like five movies right now. You know what I mean? To be able to host everything. They want him to host and be a part of everything because he took his brand, he pushed it to the limit, and he extended himself beyond just spinning from seven to eight on 99 Jams, he was able to say, you know what, I'm a brand, I'm a business, I'm gonna I'm do the best for this business and for this brand. So how important is a DJ? A DJ is important as he makes himself. All right, we're gonna take two to three more questions before we bring the investor up here. Uh, yeah, go. Uh, what advice would you give a new artist about finding their sound? He said, what advice would you give a new artist about finding his sound? What I do is I listen to everything. I study everything. I listen to things that I don't even like to try to understand why don't I like it and why does everybody else like it. Um, you know, seriously, like you got to understand, like if, if, a, if a whole group of people love something, I'd be a fool to say, man, it's stupid. I, you know, well, my day we didn't listen to this type of stuff. No, you got to understand why people like it. It doesn't mean you necessarily like it now because a lot of artists nowadays I don't like. But my job is to understand what's good about it to other people so that I can create it in some way inside of my sound. So what I would suggest about developing a sound is listen to everything, experiment with everything, and the studio is your is your paintbrush. You know, you go in there, you might, every the thing that's left on the cutting room floor, people won't be able to see. It's not about the thing that's on the cutting room floor. It's what you leave with. And try, try, try. Like, look, you could put out 100 records that, that brick or that don't catch, and then the 101 be the one that, that does it. So there's no limits to... Uh, to studying, there's no limit. Like you have to be a student, you have to know the people that was before you, and you have to respect the game and respect the process, and you can't pedal. Like I hate peddlers. It's so annoying when somebody's always peddling their work. Hey man, check this out. Like bro, just be great. And one thing about greatness, I always tell people in my conference, if you sat in that corner right now, Every single day at 4 o'clock, you sat in that corner and sang or rap or danced or did whatever you did. If you were incredible at it, it'll be only a matter of time before somebody walks up and pulls the camera phone out or pulls out the iPhone and films it. I said camera phone. Fuck, I'm in 1995. <laughs> nah, but pulls, they, pulls out it, you know, and starts recording it, and then the word of mouth will spread. Greatness always attracts people. And I think that we try so hard to attract people before we become great. I always tell people, I want to be the greatest more than I want to be the richest. Because I can always find wealth and greatness, right? But I can get a bunch of money and nobody still cares who I am. So it's all about what you're in it for. Do you want to be great? When you want to be great, you do everything you can to hone your skill. And then you know when the time is right, I'll be ready. A lot of guys will beg me, beg me to, please check me out, check me out, check me out. And when I check it out, it's terrible. So I'm like, if you'd have spent that time, instead of peddling your work, if you'd have spent the time perfecting it, then you wouldn't make waste my time, you know what I mean? Or waste your time, you know what I mean? Because now... I got a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to your music or, or whatever you bring to me. So the next time, and somebody asks me about, yo, you heard this kid? Yeah, bro, I heard him, this shit terrible. Don't even do it. 
And I could be wrong because this guy could have spent some time developing himself. And over time, it, come, it becomes great. So Puff don't remember his first time meeting me in the office, me rapping for him when I was a student at FAMU flying up there because of Sean Tubby Holiday. He don't remember, he don't remember that, but he know now that, you know, what I was able to do. He not going to remember all of the times where, where you was wrong. He only going to remember when you got it right. So focus on getting it right. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Be, be, be easy. That's a good one. That's gonna... a good one, though. I don't mind if you're screaming out, bro. <laughs> now, you said define perfection. Go ahead. I think that perfection is a quest that we'll never reach, but it's so fun to go for it, right? So when I say perfection, I want to be the most incredible songwriter in the world. That is impossible. You know what I mean? Like when they say, like, is, there is no best because it's a matter of opinion, right? So my goal is to be the best. I want to be the greatest that ever done it in regardless of genre, regardless of gender, regardless of race. And the fact that it's an it is an impossible feat, it makes it so much more um, uh, appetizing to attain. So perfection is just that constant quest for greatness. Right here, one more. Rattler. I'm not repeating that shit, but you're going to have to answer that question, though. <laughs> no, he wanted to know what can you do, what kind of training you can go to. The, outside of... See, I never was like one of those self-help type guys. I read everything. I read everything. I study everything. I listen to everything. I watch every movie. I watched a, a documentary about drag queens the other day, and I learned so much. No, seriously. And, and there's some things that you would normally skip past. And I was like, let me watch this. And I sat down and watched it for an hour and a half. And the first 30 minutes was comical. But after that, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. The, the mindset, the genius behind some of the costumes and the characters they have to create, how they become characters, how in the daytime they have to be this person and nighttime they're this person. It was just so much I learned about the human brain and the way it worked. So I think the school of hard knocks and, and just educating yourself is always key. I think we we as people, that's why self-help people make a killing because of no shade, no disrespect, but questions like that because they feel like they can sell you information. But you information is free. It's like it's the most craziest thing in the world is the fact that America's sells water you know what I mean I think that's the most that's the finesse ki like America's the finesse king right because you're selling water this isn't free God gave us water you know what I mean like this is crazy that you sell water from the fucking you know river that's what they're getting it from it's not like they got some special tubes coming out this is water right so information is the same to me i don't feel like you should buy information i think you can buy into the opportunity to interact from different people but as far as research is concerned i believe that it's something you can always do is research now being a part of different events and different conferences that's incredible to invest in but i just think information is free you just have to find the right places to go to get it I ain't getting no undergrad degree. I ain't graduated. See? That's what happened when you asked that it extra mean, question. It don't mean... It was supposed to be one it don't question. Really, it don't really mean nothing. <laughs> if you want to get a degree, get it because you want to get it. Don't get it for no job. All right, we'll close out with this last question. Go ahead. Why do you think... What's up, bro? Why do you think music artists don't get together as a collective? 
he said, why do you think music artists don't get collect, get together as a collective and push each other and motivate each other? Push. Revolt. Yeah, he did it every year. Been, or the vote thing. Push information. Oh, because they don't know. Most most people aren't really smart, bro. And, and it's a, no, I'm serious. I'm not even saying that in a condescending way. Most artists that I've worked with, even the ones who look smart on TV, they're really kind of not smart. So it's it's difficult because when the, when like situations like this, if I was a dumbass, there's no way I can hide it right now, right? There's no way. You can fluff your way through an interview. You can fluff your way through uh, an appearance. But when it comes to real information and one-on-one exchange between a person to the next, you can't hide being an idiot. And a lot of people know that they aren't as bright as they are perceived to be. So they, they shy away from it. And, and, and it's certain people, when they're in a certain light, obviously it's a lot difficult when your schedule is pushed to the max all over the world traveling and that's your business so a lot of guys don't have that opportunity and a lot of guys don't even know to share until it's until they become less relevant which is sad too so i've always been a person who's been a uh, advocate of sharing information watching people grow um like i say more than anything i feel like i used to i used to focus on getting rich then i got rich then i wanted to focus on um you know being respected in the business then i got respected now influence is my favorite thing I want to be able to influence others. I want people to, to know that you can be successful, you can be young, you can be black, you can drive a nice car, and you can still be humble, and you can still be smart, and you can still treat people with integrity, because that's a lost art. So a lot of times, people don't know to be that way because they have so many people around them enabling them for one, and most people are really just not bright. And I, and I, I hate to say it, but it's the truth, and I don't mean that in a funny way at all. But we're gonna, just to piggyback off that and just to kind of wrap it up, that was the whole reason why Teach wanted to put this together, and that's why he called me. The biggest thing is, as a collective, we don't share our resources because we try to, come on, you got to come up, you got to come up. But we try to hoard things, and then we got a generation like this, and we got people around, and we don't share that information. So it's like, oh, I know Rico, but you don't need to know him. You got to come through me. The whole goal is oh, to yeah, share yeah. your resources willingly that's, that's and let everybody grow with you. So we can't be, as they say, you don't want to be crabs in a barrel, but my thing is the natural habitat for a crab is not in the barrel in the first place. So put us back into our natural habitat and you'll see how we react. And this is what it's about, an event, a social, and then you share the information from there. So to some people, they thought this was going to be a party. We knew we was going to share information so other people could grow. That was the whole point. You can party later. You party six days out of the week. Monday, come and get that knowledge and get you some food. All right, little man, you're going to be the last question. Go ahead. You're going to say it out loud. You ready? All right, you, you ready? Yeah. Don't mess up my mic, man. All right. When you were my age, um, what was... Um, talk. Okay, talk to the mic. When you were my age, what was life like compared um, to today? You know what? That's a good question. Um, yeah, life was really a lot different when I was 12 because we didn't, we had a house phone, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, 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 people, I want you to understand why this is serious. When you have a house phone, you're forced to be with your family. I want y'all to understand, I'm gonna say that again. When you had a house phone, you was forced to be with your family. We ate dinner together, we talked together, we got to know our siblings because we was waiting on to use the phone. So you didn't really leave the house because it was one phone, it was a house phone. Now kids, everybody got their own phone, they eating dinner at their friend's house, they down the street, nobody's really together, and you got a group of people growing up not really getting to know their brothers and sisters. We forget how to look people in the eye, we forget how to, um, like people walk and text the whole time, they walk in, they're not courteous, they're not respectful. They there are people. I, I, um, Chris Bosch is a good friend of mine, and we work together on a, lot of, on a lot of records. Actually, I'm in a session with him right now when I leave here. But 
We spoke about something the other night. My son and his son met the other night. And his son came down the stairs. We went to his house. And his son was really timid. And he said, he kind of hiding behind the wall. And, and he was like, come say hi. And he kind of said hi. You know, went. And he was awkward. It was, it was really weird for him. But after a while, he came around. His dad taught him and said, come on, bro. You look a man in the eye. You shake his hand. Now, this is, this is Karis. This is Rico's son. Introduce yourself. And he taught him how to interact, right? That's what a father does. I want you to understand, when you meet an artist and they're introverted, and you say hello, and they kind of like, hey, what's up? They never had nobody to tell them how to basic interaction with other people. Like those house phones taught us how to be, how to live amongst others and how to share and how to be in one place and be family. So when, when all this technology came about, what it happened was it, it destroyed that basic thing of let's just converse. Let me talk to my brother. Let me talk to my sister. Let me have a meal with my family. Let me get to know other people. When you get to know people and you learn how to interact, it teaches you how to better deal with other people. So the biggest difference between my age and your age was we socialized. We got to know each other. I go to the park near my home and I play basketball by myself for like five, six hours. That was unheard of when I was growing up. Kids played outside. Nobody's doing the same things because we're not being forced to. I make my son play outside. He don't, he, he don't even like playing outside. I have to make him play outside because it's like you have to, you know, interact and, and be outdoors and, and stop relying so much on technology. And I, and I appreciate technology for all that it can do for us in a positive way, but I don't like anything that becomes a crutch. Too much of anything is bad for you. All right, guys, if you can, give a round of applause for Rico. As you heard him, he'll be here for a little bit before he go back to working with Chris Bosch. None big, none big. But, um... Company and what made you come and do your, uh, uh, I would say, venture capitalist in residence with uh, Black Tech Week and Cold Fever? Hi. So, uh, Marlon Nichols, um, born in Jamaica, grew up mostly in New York, um, undergrad in Boston, business school at Cornell, worked at Intel Capital, leading investments for like five years, um, and two years ago started a, a new venture fund called uh, Cross Culture Ventures. And what we do is we look at culture, we study culture, right? Um, particularly subcultures like black culture, Latinx culture. Um, and we do it on a global basis to understand where people are going to spend their money in the future, what behaviors they're going to take on in, in the future. And we start with our communities because we are the the number one influencers in terms of uh, money spent on um, consumer products. We're early adopters of, uh, of technology, and our influence just runs throughout the world. So, Hold on, I want to ask you, y'all understand what he just said? Yes. We are early influencers of technology. Black Twitter, to me, saved Twitter. It was dying. We use the technology. We give it life. You know what I'm saying? People look at what we're wearing to decide what the next fashion trends are going to be in. They look at what we're doing. So he's been able to embrace that into an actual investment group, which is amazing. So without them even knowing how much the fund is worth, I want to ask the questions that most people don't get to ask you. This is why we're doing a format like this. 
what's the number one thing most people walk up to you and say that just makes you shut down and you ain't even talking money no more? <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, my mom taught me to walk with humility, right? So I don't think there's anything that, that anyone has ever said to me or a group of people that have said to me consistently where I just shut down. It's, it's, it's usually something behind, behind a question. Um, so we just, we just kind of move, move past it. I just, I just ask that you be respectful. Um, if, I, if I say I don't have the time to do it right now, I don't have the time to do it right now. Um, maybe that's it, right, if you're too aggressive. All right, so if you're too aggressive, but I think there's a difference between being too aggressive and then just being lazy. That doesn't mean you shouldn't follow up and try again, or is it just not the right time? Well, you just got to listen to, uh, pay attention to the cues, right? Um, if, I'm, if I'm saying I can't do it right now, but I'm, I'm happy to do it later, email me. Just email me. All right. What's the best idea that you saw fail? It ain't supposed to be easy. I want y'all to learn. I only get to ask him six good questions. This man worth money. I had to call his assistant to get him here. I'm trying to get my information in. Let's go. So, <laughs> I don't know if it was the best idea that I've ever heard, but um, when I was with Intel Capital, I led this deal in a company that was creating um, Smart Cup. So essentially, this cup was supposed to you pour liquid into it and it would tell you what's inside right so i pour a can of coca-cola in there it would tell me how much i don't know how much sugar's in there uh, how many calories are in there or whatever right and then it, it all came back to an app so you can kind of figure out you know how do you how you stay on your diet how you eat how do you eat better how do you take care of your body um I thought it was a great idea. I did the investment. Um, I probably didn't do as much diligence into it as I, as I should have. Um, at the end of the day, the product never shipped. Uh, they, they shipped a, a derivative of the product, um, which, which actually sold, sold quite a bit. Um, but that product hasn't seen the light of day yet. I'm still waiting for it to happen. Okay, uh, I'm on question number three. Number three would be, when you look at a deal or when you look at a proposal, what do you think are some of the top things most investor or most startups are missing that make you not interested in investing into them? So the the, the one idea that I hate about our people, right? Oh, I want to create major the, key. Take uh, notes. He said our people. <laughs> it's about to happen right now. <laughs> I want to I want to create the Uber for black people, or I want to create the Facebook for black people. Look, that, those platforms uh, have already been created, right? And, and black they, people happen to use them. Just black people, probably the first people to use them. There you go. Think about, think about. Um, I know Uber's going through a lot of stuff right now, but uh, think about when they first started. And and I grew up in New York, and I lived in Harlem, and I remember being in like Midtown and trying to get a taxi from Midtown at like midnight, 2 a.m. to go back to Harlem almost impossible yeah that ain't happening right. you uber, trying to go where no i'm good uber lyft and ride sharing they solved that problem for people like me right so a lot of the users of this stuff are us so to, to say that you're going to go create the black version of that just doesn't make sense there's a there's so many challenges in our in our communities that rep that could represent billion dollar opportunities go figure out what those are what 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 pains your grandmother every day 
right? What can you what can you come up with that relieves that pain? Because there's there are millions of your grandmother out there. Like go go figure that out. So, and I guess that was actually you answer my next question. It's more so chase a passion, trace a pain point, or chase money. Which one is going to be the best opportunity to present to you? Chase a pain point that you're passionate about, right? Because if um if you pick something that you have, so I'm all about creating unfair advantages, right? So what is it about you that makes you so special, so unique, that you can go after this, this challenge here and you can solve it in a way that nobody else will, right? That's, that's, that's actually knowing a situation inside and out and being the right person to tackle it. And then if, you're, if, it's, if, if, if you got to it because of either you've been working at it or tangentially around it for a number of years or family members experienced it or you've experienced it, then you have a level of passion. So, I mean, it's no secret, or maybe it is. Uh, startups are really, really hard, right? Um, they're going to be probably three or four times where... It's, it's, it's on life support, and you think it's probably going to die, right? Unless where you can't pay your employees or you can't pay yourself for like a couple weeks or maybe even like a month, right? If you're not passionate about this thing that you're going after, if, if there's not something like deeply rooted in you that says, I, I need to win at this thing, you're going to quit. And I'm not, I'm not in the business of investing in quitters, right? So you got to be uniquely qualified, and you gotta be seriously passionate about it. If you could take one company with its assets, services, and you had unlimited resources, one company that you can take and rebuild it from the ground up, what company would that be and why? I'm not in that business. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that was short. Might have to add another question. So, um, Marlon, I really, <laughs> I just wanna ask you, out of all of these questions, it's very general, but what made you decide that Miami was the city that you would take this leap of faith of doing your venture, you know, venture in residence? What, what made you pick Miami? So I talked about culture earlier on, right? And I, uh, in particular, I talked about black, Latinx, and Caribbean cultures, right? And I mean, what better place to come to see all of those, right? And to, and to meet entrepreneurs that are from those backgrounds, living in those communities that are trying to build solutions for those communities. I'm here to, I'm, I'm trying to learn, right? I, I wanna figure out what's, what's the next big thing, right? Okay. And I think it's gonna come out of our community. So I can't think of a better place to come in and have this experience. All right, and then so last thing for me is gonna be, um just so the people out here that everybody does different things, like you said, we got a diverse culture. What are the verticals? Verticals, translation to those looking to meet with investors. Verticals are things that an investor is actually interested in, puts his money into. What are the verticals that you have interest in? So if somebody is trying to make the next hot, you know, sneaker, that might not be your thing. So instead of somebody wasting your time, what are your verticals of interest for investment right now? What are you focused on? So we're, we're generalists, right? So if you look at our portfolio, you know, we have a, a mobile platform that help, helps black hairstylists sell hair weave. Right? Maven? Maven. Yes. Um, Deshaun's going to be here later this month, too. So come by and see him when he talks. Hair weave at wholesale direct. 
billions of dollars, by the way. Nine billion dollar market, and he owns it right now. Um, we He's got a, another company, uh, Thrive Market, that's an online grocer, essentially. Basically, Whole Foods at 40 to 50 percent, the price tag that you see in a Whole Foods, is the exact same products. No, no storefront. We've got um, later on this week, Chris Bennett's going to be here from uh, One Preschool, and this is the Airbnb of, um, of childhood, early childhood care. So we, we are, I, I did an um, you know, um, artificial intelligence company that helps brands sell products right, through text messaging. So we're like all over the place. Gotcha. We're literally generalists. So what I'm looking for is, like I said, that breakout idea that makes sense based on what I'm learning about global culture. Craft beer or craft cocktail? Craft cocktail. Craft cocktail? Yes. What you drinking? Tonight? Probably an old-fashioned. Okay, so there's your intro to Marlon. Buy this man an old-fashioned. Meet him at the bar. Marlon, thank you for your time, and thank you for being here. We really appreciate you, man. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. No more knowledge unless you're talking to these geniuses that came up, and I'm not one of them. I'm just a host. But we want to thank you guys again for coming out for Tech Beats and Bites. <laughs>